Today in the Doc Washburn Show is an information overload you can't afford to miss. Why is Donald Trump being called by the great Julie Kelly over in America Greatness an unindicted co-conspirator? What is really going on with a toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, which, by the way, is right on the Pennsylvania state line? What big-named doctor has profusely apologized for being wrong on the vaccine, for minimizing any possible danger to the vaccine? That and so much more is coming up. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you under the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 344 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. On August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this really different kind of talk show, we're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland. It drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Okay, let me start off with a special announcement about the future of the Doc Washburn Show. 16 months into this, we finally have come to terms with the idea that podcast fans want to be able to watch a video presentation of the podcast. I certainly have experience performing in front of a camera, and my business partners and I agree. We need to make the transition to video as soon as possible. By the grace of God, we have been able to acquire top-of-the-line video equipment, and it is installed. Now, all we need is to bring in a couple of interns to help with video production, research, editing, and social media outreach. If you know a young person who is a conservative and is trying to break into television, let's face it, Podcast video is like a TV show. This would be the perfect opportunity to show what he can do. Have him or her contact us at our email address, contact at docwashburnshow.com. All right, now, first of all, I I don't want to keep you waiting on this. The great Julie Kelly over at America Greatness, why is she referring to Donald Trump as an unindicted co-conspirator? And then we got a lot more after that. The real truth about what's going on with that train derailment and the toxicity. And the doctor who has profusely apologized for minimizing the vaccine and so much more. It really is an information overload today. 
Julie Kelly, American Greatness, article entitled The Government Intel Asset Plant Key Evidence and Proud Boys Case. And this is February 13th, 2023. She says it's week five of the Justice Department's most high-profile and high-stakes criminal trial related to the events of January 6, 2021. Five members of the Proud Boys face the rare seditious conspiracy charge. Guilty verdicts, almost certain given the government's near-perfect conviction rate for January 6 defendants, would build legal momentum for a similar indictment against Donald Trump. The trial is so crucial that Matthew Graves, the Biden-appointed U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia responsible for prosecuting every January 6th case, has shown up in the courtroom himself on at least three occasions. Trump is a major figure in this trial, an unindicted co-conspirator of sorts. Last week, Judge Timothy Kelly allowed prosecutors to play a clip of Trump's extemporaneous comment for the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by, a remark uttered during a presidential debate in September 2020, more than three months before the Capitol protest. The Justice Department wants to portray that comment as a call to arms, tying the alleged militia group to the former president. The clip is just another thin read of evidence in the government's landmark domestic terrorism case. In fact, much of the so-called evidence amounts to nothing more than worthless trinkets, braggadocious group chats, and otherwise protected political speech. It now appears that one key piece of evidence was not the work of any defendant in this case, but rather written by a one-time government intelligence asset with unusual ties to both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, another group involved in January 6th. A document titled 1776 Returns is cited by the government to indicate the group had an advanced plan to attack the Capitol. In two separate criminal indictments, prosecutors explained how the document ended up in the hands of Enrique Terrio, the leader of the Proud Boys. The government said, On December 30, 2020, an unnamed individual sent Terrio a document that set forth a plan to occupy a few crucial buildings in Washington, D.C. on January 6, including House and Senate buildings around the Capitol, with as many people as possible to, quote, Show our politicians we the people are in charge, unquote. Calling the document a high-level summary, a prosecutor last week combed through each page of this 1776 returns document with an expert witness, even though the government conceded there was no proof that Enrique Terrio even opened the file or shared it with others, for that matter. FBI agent Peter Dubrowski told the jury the plan essentially is to have individuals inside these buildings either cause a distraction or pull fire alarms in other parts of the city to distract law enforcement 
so that a crowd can then rush the buildings and occupy the interior so they can demand a new election. In other words, an insurrection. But a bombshell motion filed over the weekend debunks the Justice Department's suggestion that the document was a product or at least a roadmap used to guide the group's conduct on January 6th. The filing suggests that the handling of the 1776 returns document, like so much of January 6th, was yet another sting operation. Roger Roots, attorney for Dominic Pozzola, in the motion seeking a mistrial, said, It appears that the government itself is the author of the most incriminating and damning document in this case, which was mysteriously sent a government request to Proud Boy leader Enrique Tarrio immediately prior to January 6th in order to frame or implicate Tarrio in a government-created scheme to storm buildings around the Capitol. As such, the document and the government's efforts to frame or smear defendants with it constitutes outrageous government conduct. See, it turns out the person responsible for preparing the document is a man named Samuel Arms, a young cryptocurrency expert living in Florida, but Arms' resume raises many red flags, particularly in a case involving the use of multiple government informants. Arms told the January 6th Select Committee last year that he has worked for the State Department and Special Operations Command at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. He testified, a lot of the work that I did for the government was in counter-threat finance or regulatory environments around crypto. Huh, how about that? As a student at the University of Southern Florida, young Mr. Arms was enrolled in a special program that prepared graduates for a career in the intelligence sector. Arms told U.S. House investigators that he was groomed to be in the CIA, FBI, or any intel agencies. When he was asked to clarify what that meant, Arms explained he was trained and educated to eventually work as an intelligence asset. Well, part of that training required preparing different responses to potential terror threats. And Arms was no slouch. He said, I reported under Colonel Joshua Potter's counter-threat finance unit, and I actually developed for them critical research on cryptocurrency that may have been used by drug cartels or ISIS. And so I did similar scenarios with them, wargaming scenarios, of why these terrorist groups might be using cryptocurrency and how they might go about doing so. Huh. That background in so-called war games apparently motivated arms to do the same thing before January 6th. After reading reports about the Transition Integrity Project, a collection of high-level Trump foes plotting to remove Trump from office regardless of the election's outcome, Arms said he felt compelled to perform his own worst-case scenario. Hence, the 1776 returns paper. But Arms' explanation as to why he put thoughts on paper is strange, to say the least. His reasons for brainstorming, as he calls it, what might happen after the election veered from the Terry Schiavo case, quote, 
when government authorities are kind of confused and people don't know who to obey or who to answer to, anarchy kind of breaks out and certain parties take advantage of that anarchy. He said of the, unquote, he said of the protracted legal battle over the famous right to die case two decades ago. So his reasons for brainstorming veered from that, the Terry Schiavo case, to Trump's unpredictability, to the 2020 summer riots, to total anarchy in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, those thoughts are kind of strange, aren't they? Even more odd is that his internal brainstorming document ended up in the inbox of Erica Flores, a business associate in Florida who just happened to be Enrique Terrio's girlfriend at the time. Mr. Arms said, I told her that I was kind of brainstorming what I think might happen, and she seemed interested. And she asked if she could see it, and I said, sure. And so I ended up sharing it with her on a Google Drive. So Flores then sent the document to Terrio. Now, Flores's version of events, however, is quite different from Arms' account. While he disputed being the sole author of the document, Flores reportedly told the January 6th committee that Arms wrote the whole thing. Further, contrary to Arms' testimony to the committee, she said Arms told her to send it to Terrio. For now, it's unclear whether the public, or more importantly the defendants, will learn the truth about the origins of this 1776 returns missive. Arms admitted he cannot find the original document in his Google files. And although Flores spoke with the January 6th committee, her transcript is not publicly publicly available, buried with hundreds more at the National Archives. That's not the end of Arms' weird story, though. He also was in contact with a member of the Oath Keepers in 2020. Arms' name showed up on a hotel reservation for James Beeks, now on trial in D.C. for his participation in the January 6th Capitol protest. When House investigators asked Arms why Beeks included his name on the same hotel room, Arms claimed the man had a romantic interest in him. Arms also admitted he and Beeks had many conversations before January 6th on topics such as the election and domestic politics. But... Just like Arms' original 1776 document, those messages are missing, too. As as evidence piles up to show how federal assets played an animating role before and on January 6th, Arms' weird account and background in government intelligence cannot cannot be dismissed as coincidence. That's Julie Kelly, article over at America Greatness, amgreatness.com, called Did a government intel asset plant key evidence in the Proud Boys case? And she says that President Trump is an unindicted co-conspirator, so to speak, because they're trying to use this trial and the probable guilty verdicts to go after him. Don't put anything past the Biden DOJ. Okay? I'm just telling you. Don't put anything past them. Right, there's so much coming up. So much coming up. Boy, we have we 
Well, we got a very prominent, very well-known TV doctor who apologizes profusely for getting the vaccine wrong. We got all kinds of stuff the media won't tell you about the train derailment and environmental catastrophe in East Palestine, Ohio. And that's just scratching the surface. That's just the beginning of today's information overload. So more coming up straight ahead. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to, online. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com. Pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online, and if you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. In the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. All right, I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, fibromyalgia, problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines for that matter. The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. And if it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens... Your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. I had terrible migraines year-round. I got my atlas adjusted, they went away, and never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, dizziness, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. 
Now, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Have you heard about his new development? My Pillow 2.0, brand new temperature regulating technology helps keep you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric in My Pillow 2.0 dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 is developed to provide a cool surface and engineered for comfort. Because it's a fiber, not a finish, it will last the life of the fabric. It's available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable. And there's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee on MyPillow 2.0. Of course, made in the USA. And right now, if you use the promo code DWS, you get two for one. So one for you and one for your significant other. Now, it's not just about pillows, though. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great. They feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams bed sheets. Mike is now offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams bed sheets. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You get a seat, you get a set of Giza Dreams sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight just by using promo code DWS. And right now a set of pillowcases for only nine ninety eight. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. My Pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you get huge discounts on all My Pillow bedding, including. Two for one on my pillow 2.0 and my pillow Giza Dreams sheets for just $29.98. Now I'm wearing my new my slippers moccasins even as we speak. I had no idea slippers could feel this good right now. Save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike's having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals and slides for as low as nineteen ninety eight. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. I wore them in 15-degree weather with no socks, and my feet didn't even get cold. Just use promo code DWS. And now remember... That does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, 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 no. DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com, where Mike sells all kinds of stuff. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code D. 
WS. Okay, we need to get right to the story of the environmental catastrophe in East Palestine, Ohio. The great Kanakoa over at Substack, Kanakoa, it's a Hawaiian word, who just does and has been doing for such a long time a brilliant job of breaking news that the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. He has he has this thread on Twitter, which started Monday, February 13th, and he is keeping it right up to date. It is current. And it starts with photos, videos, and news reports about the train derailment and toxic chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. He says this may be the largest environmental disaster in U.S. history. And Kanakoa is coming with the receipts. Now, on the second tweet here, he says you're looking at a toxic cocktail of deadly chemicals purposefully being burned off in East Palestine, Ohio, after a train derailment. Authorities burned off vinyl chloride, which is toxic and carcinogenic, and released harmful and dangerous hydrogen chloride and phosgene into the air. Let's see if we can get some, uh, some audio here. You're looking at a toxic cocktail of harmful and potentially deadly chemicals purposely being burned off by authorities. But why? Let's rewind. This all started with a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, a town of nearly 5,000 people. Five of the cars that derailed were carrying vinyl chloride, a dangerous chemical linked to multiple cancers. It's used to make a whole bunch of things from car parts to PVC piping. But on its own, vinyl chloride can cause blisters, headaches, dizziness, and can be deadly if breathed in for too long. It's also unstable, and at least one of the train cars was at risk of exploding and sending deadly shrapnel flying as far as a mile. And while that massive explosion didn't end up happening, many are wondering if the way authorities are going about mitigating the incident is the best course of action. To avoid a catastrophic explosion, officials conducted a controlled release of vinyl chloride a few days after the derailment. They pierced the train cars so the vinyl chloride could drain into a trench and burn. It resulted in this. Authorities said that the controlled burn would release hydrogen chloride and phosgene into the air. Yes, as in World War I chemical weapon phosgene. So what does that mean for residents? Well, everyone living within at least a two-mile radius of the derailment site was ordered to evacuate. Ahead of the controlled burn, authorities Authorities released an evacuation map and essentially said if you're in this area, leave or risk dying because of toxic fumes. Authorities have been monitoring the air and water quality since the controlled release started and said that none of the readings were concerning. But many evacuated residents still have questions, namely when they'll be able to return home safely. While the possibility for a massive explosion is no longer a danger, there's been no timeline given for when it will be safe for people to return to the affected area. So, no concern. Huh. So Kanakoa says phosgene is a highly toxic, colorless gas with a strong odor that causes vomiting and breathing trouble, and it was used as a chemical weapon in World War I. Hydrogen chloride is a colorless to yellowish gas with a strong odor that causes skin, eye, nose, and throat irritation. And then... He links to a video from, from the great Nick Dromboski about what is really going on from that supposedly controlled burn from that train derailment. 
I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. Check it out. This hasn't been getting a lot of coverage, and the coverage that it has been getting hasn't been very good. So let's talk about the trail derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine's about an hour north of Pittsburgh, almost halfway to Cleveland. Norfolk Southern has a rail line that goes right through town, and this derailment happened right on the edge outside of town on the border of PA and Ohio. Of the cars that crashed, five of them contained vinyl chloride. It's a monomer used to make PVC. Some of the reporting on this has gotten vinyl chloride confused with polyvinyl chloride, the polymer made out of vinyl chloride. Now, the reason that this distinction is really important is vinyl chloride is very hazardous and very flammable. Polyvinyl chloride is a plastic that's used in, like, everything. Another thing about vinyl chloride is that it boils at 8 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's shipped in its liquid form. Meaning that when these trains crashed and these started leaking, they weren't just leaking liquid, but they were spewing boiling gas. So vinyl chloride is really toxic. OSHA has the permissible limit of how much you can be exposed to it during an 8-hour shift as a 1 ppm part per million average over eight hours. So prior to this, the biggest spill of this chemical was in New Jersey, where one train car and about 23,000 gallons of vinyl chloride were spilled, but it didn't catch on fire. Now, this crash in Ohio has five train cars. These kinds of tanker cars can carry between 25 and 33,000 gallons. Let's call it 250 to 250,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. That's per train car, five train cars. There's maybe a million pounds of this toxic chemical spilling into the ground and also boiling off into the air. But then it caught on fire. I think this is where the reporting is really bad because no one is mentioning what the byproduct of vinyl chloride burning is. Of the many byproducts of burning vinyl chloride, one of them is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride is really unstable and latches onto water, like just water vapor in the atmosphere, and that turns into hydrochloric acid. So right now, government officials, officials from the railroad, both the governor of Pennsylvania and Ohio are calling burning off the million pounds of this stuff a success, but not mentioning that it means that we have hundreds of thousands of pounds of acid in the air, potentially. Now, ever since engineering school, I've studied a lot of industrial accidents. I just find it really fascinating, and organizations like the Chemical Safety Board, NTSB, and OSHA all have like really good reports available to the public. I think as a designer, it's really good to learn about mistakes. When looking at these kinds of industrial disasters across time, there are a couple things that are pretty universal across all of them. One, the responsible party in this case, Norfolk Southern Railway, always plays down the reality of the situation. Politicians also just repeat the same lines, and then news outlets just repeat the same. So all we are hearing is the responsible party's word. Now, speaking of the responsible party's word, we will have a follow-up on that in a little bit. More from the uh, thread from Kanakoa, who's over at Substack also. Wisconsin Department of Health says exposure to vinyl chloride can affect a person's liver, kidney, lung, spleen, nervous system, and blood. Human and animal studies show higher rates of liver, lung, and several other types of cancer. The vinyl chloride burn occurred near the Ohio River, which flows directly into the... Mississippi River. So thousands of farms could be affected by this. 
the EPA sent a letter to the rail company stating that ethylene glycol, monobutyl ether, ethylhexyl acrylate, and isobutylene were also in the rail cars. And he has the, the link to the article from WKBN-TV, which is right there in Youngstown, Ohio, with a quote, we basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. Okay, now, wait a minute. Who is that quote from? Sil Cagiano, a hazardous materials specialist. Oh, my goodness. Let's look at that some more. From the article, WKBN-TV, Youngstown, Ohio. The EPA sent a letter to Norfolk Southern stating that, well, as we just said, the ethylene glycol monobutyl ether and all the other chemicals with the long, hard-to-pronounce names were also in the rail cars that were derailed, breached, and or on fire. So Sil Cagiano, hazardous materials specialist, told WKBN-TV Youngstown, Ohio, that the ethylhexyl acrylate is especially worrisome. He says it's a carcinogen, and contact with it can cause burning and irritation in the skin and eyes. Breathing it in can irritate the nose and throat and cause coughing and shortness of breath. Isobutylene is also known to cause dizziness and drowsiness when inhaled. Cagiano, again, hazardous materials specialist, says, I was surprised when they quickly told the people they can go back home. But then said if they feel like they want their homes tested, they can have them tested. I would have far rather they did all the testing. He says it's possible some of these chemicals could still be present in homes and on objects until you clean them thoroughly. He said there's a lot of what-ifs. Why don't I just, why don't I just play the audio? Because I got the video here on the, uh, on the TV on the TV article. Yeah, let me let me just play the audio. Train derailed in East Palestine, and tonight we know more about the chemicals that were on the train. First News digital reporter Jen Rodriguez has been in the village today taking a closer look at what else was on that train. She has those details and much more in our top story tonight at 6. We now know three more chemicals that were on board the Norfolk Southern train that derailed here in East Palestine just over a week ago. And we're being told that some of those chemicals are dangerous. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to Norfolk Southern stating that ethylene glycol monobutyl ether acrylate and isobutylene were also in the rail cars that were derailed, breached, or on fire. Cagiano says acrylate is especially worrisome. He says it's a carcinogen, and contact with it can cause burning and irritation in the skin and eyes. Breathing it in can irritate the nose, throat, and cause coughing and shortness of breath. Isobutylene is also known to cause dizziness and drowsiness when inhaled. I was kind of surprised that when they quickly told the people they can go back home, but then said if they feel like they want 
their uh, their homes tested, uh, they can have them tested. I, I would have far rather they did all the testing. Caggiano says it's possible some of these chemicals could still be present in homes and on objects until you clean them thoroughly. Oh, there's a lot of what ifs, and we're going to be looking at this thing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and wondering, gee, cancer clusters could pop up, you know, well water could go bad. Caggiano recommends anyone who's in the East Palestine area get a health checkup. He says get a record now of where your health stands so that moving forward you have documentation of any possibly related effects to the train derailment. In East Palestine, Jennifer Rodriguez, WKBN 27 First News. All right, so here's what bothers me about that. How many TV news reports did we see? When COVID hysteria was going on, and you have people doing stand-up news reports out in the middle of nowhere wearing masks, and they send this young lady out to East Palestine where who knows what's in the air, and she's not doing anything to protect herself. Oh, man. That's, uh, That's just really, really sad. Okay, more from WKBN in Youngstown, Ohio. And even though North Lima is about 10 miles away from East Palestine, Amanda Brashear says when she went to let her dog out last night at about 10 o'clock, the smell made her eyes water. And she also believes it could be why her chickens are now dead. So I walked up to the cage, and this this is what I found. Amanda Brashears was going to feed her five hens and rooster this morning when she discovered them all lifeless, practically in the same position, with no signs of a predator entering their enclosure. I'm beyond upset and quite panicked because this they may be just chickens, but they're family. Brashear says her chickens were alive and well yesterday. She believes the smell following the detonation of the train carrying chemicals that derailed in East Palestine is to blame for her bird's sudden death. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. Officials have said that the smell wasn't toxic or dangerous, but. Oh, they did, did they? Officials said the smell wasn't toxic or dangerous. Really? Really? Okay. And I appreciate Kanakoa for linking to all this stuff. Now, now. We go to CBS out of Pittsburgh, KDKA, Channel 2. At the area, well and groundwater are safe. However, after this couple saw dead fish in this creek that you're looking at, they're deciding to not take any chances. Oh, uh, there was hundreds. Russell Murphy is referring to the fish now belly up in Leslie Run. He and his wife noticed them last night, barely 48 hours after the fiery derailment, five miles away. This is huge, huge environmental effects. That's now one of many concerns the EPA now faces. 
the impact of the fish, yes, there was a, a impact of those. However, the levels as we have seen it are protective to groundwater. We are aware there are some wells along that for residential wells. Environmental cleanup crews were at and actually in that water today. So are these booms, which are used to catch and stop anything that shouldn't be flowing here, or into water wells, which Murphy uses for just about everything. I mean, good grief, man. Yeah, yeah, they, everything says it's just fine. Everybody says it's just fine. Okay. There's more. Wait. There's more. So, dead fish in Leslie Run coming out of East Palestine, Ohio. And it goes something like this. Lee in Negley, Ohio. I'm at the corner of By Road in US 170 North. This is the bridge that goes over top of Leslie Run. This is their filter barrier that they have currently. But I think it's important for people to see the dead fish. Um, I'm going to walk under the bridge here above and show you. Coming right up, another fish. Um, there's hundreds of them up here. In this area across here, hundreds. Another fish. Another fish. They're just everywhere. Um, fish, fish, fish. I mean, these are minnows. I mean, they are in our streams. Fish, 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 fish. This is only along one side um, that I can safely walk the water without a... Now, I came out on the other side of this bridge. I just walked you through underneath it. Um, those are your barriers, sand barrier they have. Um, here's more. Just hanging out. There's one out in the water. But um, you can see, there's just fish dead, hanging out everywhere. Now, this is the top side of their barrier. Leslie Run, people. Leslie Run. And that, that was just a TikTok video from somebody who lives in that community. But there's so much more coming up. we got a lot more coming up about what's really going on in East Palestine, Ohio, and how it could affect a lot more of the country than just that little town between Cleveland, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A lot more. We also have a major television doctor profusely apologizing for minimizing the ill effects of the clot shot. So much to talk about as the Doc Washburn Show continues. All right, who's heard about the billions of dollars that AT&T has lost? I wonder if it has anything to do with DirecTV, which is owned by AT&T, getting rid of One American News last year and Newsmax recently. Because Americans are saying, hey, 
We're done. We're done with you, AT&T. We're going to get rid of DirecTV, and we're going to get rid of your uh, cell phone service. So if you're looking for a good cell phone company, allow me to tell you about Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important for us to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they have a coverage guarantee. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving money, and I'm not a veteran or a first responder. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching's easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. And make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. PatriotMobile.com. Now, the great Ronald Reagan said inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits of investing in precious metals. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're so glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts, Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew Sorcini and his team, go to bh-pm.com. Now, you remember that because BH stands for Beverly Hills. PM stands for Precious Metals. bh-pm.com. Now, if you're like me, you're like, ah, I can't remember, I can't remember. Okay. Well, just Google 
Beverly Hills Precious Metals. It's the first thing that comes up. Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, however you do it. Let them know Doc Washburn sent you. And be sure to ask about the new General Mike Flynn coins. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you and your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Now, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a big difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Now an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of Montana near Yellowstone, this beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you, SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, we want to go right back to this evolving thread of what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio, and what is spreading out far away from it. Now, the closest television market is East Palestine, Ohio, which is right on the Ohio-Pennsylvania state line, are Youngstown, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, of course, being a much bigger television market. But here, here is more from WKBN-TV. 
in Youngstown, Ohio. First News has been hearing all of your calls about your animals suffering and getting sick, some even dying. And it's not just causing problems for the animals. This is Kyle Alexander, WKBN-TV. It's also causing problems for their owners as well. Taylor Holzer and his family run Parker Dairy. It's just outside East Palestine's original evacuation zone. Taylor is an ODNR-registered fox keeper. A couple of his foxes broke their legs trying to run after the initial derailment. One of his foxes even died. Out of nowhere, he just started coughing really hard and just shut down. And um, He had liquid diarrhea and just went very fast. Taylor tells me all of his foxes have been sick and acting different since the weekend. Some have abnormally puffy faces, including the one he's holding. He says they are not eating properly. Many are dealing with stomach issues and are acting lethargic. This isn't how a fox should act. He's very weak, limp. He, His eyes are very like watery and weepy. Some of the foxes are pacing rapidly in their pen, another sign they are not well. Taylor says the train derailment is causing all of these issues. Smoke and chemicals from the train, uh, it's the only thing that could cause it because it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. The chemicals that we're being told are safe in the air, that's definitely not safe. For the animals? It's for animals or people. Taylor hopes justice is served for the animals and people of East Palestine. People's cats are getting sick and dying and people's other birds that they have in their house that they weren't being able to evacuate either. Just, it's not safe. Now, like you heard at the beginning of this story, one of Taylor's foxes did die. He now has to get a necropsy on that fox to determine the cause of death for it. Now, every animal owner, whether it's a pet or an agricultural animal, a farm animal, poultry, this has to be done. A necropsy has to be done to determine that cause of death. There are a few ways of going uh, about this. To set one up, pet owners, like for a dog or a cat, must contact their veterinarians, farm animal, and poultry owners. They have to contact the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And companion animal owners, they have to contact the Ohio State University. Kyle Alexander, WKBN, Channel 27. Youngstown, Ohio. More, more from Kanakoa's thread about East Palestine, Ohio. He says the top 10 railroad owners of the Norfolk Southern Corporation include Vanguard, J.P. Morgan, and BlackRock. Huh. How about that? Who knew? But wait, there's more. The East East Palestine, Ohio, toxic chemical burn may be the largest environmental disaster in U.S. history. Continuing with Kanakoa's compelling thread about what's really going on in East Palestine, Ohio. A former resident said it, it says it is so much worse than the media tells us. I see so many people talking about the train derailment at East Palestine, Ohio. And all I'm going to ask is that if you do this, you get your facts right. I literally grew up right down the road from East Palestine. Um, my old childhood best friend lives in the town. Um, my current best friend literally lives right next to the town. It is so much worse than what the media is telling any of us. 
I'm getting reports from people that are down there right now that they're literally seeing schools of fish floating down streams, rivers, dead. I got a video from my friend, okay, and she's like walking, dude, it's all dead. All dead. And on the top of the water is a really pretty chemical rainbow sheen. The chemicals are in the water and they're lying to the rest of the country saying they're not. The water's been contaminated. The soil's been contaminated. The air is contaminated. You literally are about to see some of the worst health side effects coming out of people in that town. It's not even funny. And y'all want to know something even more fucked up? The restaurant that I work at in a whole different state had to donate food to them because we had people from the churches calling to tell us that Red Cross never came FEMA never came the environmental con- con- conservationists still have yet to come and nobody's helping them meaning all of the firefighters that we're working get no food have nothing to help them nothing okay all the people that were displaced have no food water a place to stay none of that dish it is so much worse than what they're telling you and tiktok probably won't even let me post this video but if this video gets posted please save it and repost it everywhere you can because i'm telling y'all they are covering the dish up they are covering the dish up because they don't want to get out how bad it actually was this was not good this was the worst thing that's happened probably in the past eight years That entire town is basically unlivable now because of the chemicals. And they're lying, telling civilians that it's safe, knowing damn well because I took chemistry and I know chemicals and I have this awesome supercomputer in my hand. The side effects from breathing in those chemicals, they're covering the shot. But it's not surprising. Next on Kanakoa's thread of what's really going on in... East Palestine, Ohio. Three new dangerous chemicals were found on the train that derailed ethylene glycol monobutyl ether, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and isobutylene. And he links to. Okay, this is the one we already played from the hazardous waste expert who said we basically nuked a town with chemicals so we get a railroad open. So we got that. All right, next after that, you're going to find this hard to believe. Netflix recently released a film called White Noise about a train derailment of toxic chemicals causing a massive explosion and deadly event in East Palestine, Ohio. Some of the extras in this Netflix movie were residents of East Palestine, Ohio. This is just too freaky to believe. Here's the trailer. Something that could actually kill someone. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No. No. They're calling it the airborne toxic event. We won't come this way. Will we have to leave our home? Of course not. How do you know? I just know. Okay, what if it's dangerous? Evacuate all all we have to do is stay out of the way. They're passing us, Dad. Technically, that's illegal. 
we're going sideways. Doesn't anyone want to pay attention to what's actually happening? I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could outthink the problem. There are two kinds of people in the world. Killers and dyers. Most of us are dyers. Right now we're safe. As long as the children are here, they need us. Have some persistent sense of large-scale ruin? We keep inventing hope. Movie called White Noise on Netflix. Don Cheadle start. I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds that that happens, huh? More from Kanakoa's thread here. The CDC's medical management guidelines for vinyl chloride. Health effects, routes of exposure, patient information sheets, pre-hospital management. Very bad stuff. Health effects. The primary target of vinyl chloride acute exposure is the CNS. Signs and symptoms include dizziness, ataxia, inebriation, fatigue, numbness, and tingling of the extremities, visual disturbances, coma, and death. Vinyl chloride can irritate the eyes, mucous membranes, and respiratory tract. Escaping compressed gas or liquid can cause frostbite or irritation of the skin and eyes. Chronic exposure can cause permanent liver injury and liver cancer, neurologic or behavioral symptoms, and changes to the skin and bones of the hand. Vinyl chloride's acute CNS effects are likely to be caused by interaction of the parent compound with neural membranes. Other effects appear to be caused by interaction of reactive intermediates with macromolecules. But wait, there's more. Routes of exposure, inhalation, is a primary route of exposure, and vinyl chloride is readily absorbed from the lungs. Its odor threshold is too high to provide an adequate warning of hazardous concentrations. The odor of vinyl chloride becomes detectable at around 3,000 parts per million, and the OSHA PEL is one part per million. Therefore, workers can be overexposed to vinyl chloride without being aware of its presence. A five-minute exposure to airborne concentrations of 8,000 Parts per million can cause dizziness as airborne levels increase to 20,000 parts per million. Effects can include drowsiness, loss of coordination, visual and auditory abnormalities, disorientation, nausea, headache, and burning or tingling of the extremities. Exposure to higher concentrations of vinyl chloride for longer durations can cause death, presumably due to central nervous system, CNS, and respiratory depression, the gas is heavier than air and can cause asphyxiation in poorly ventilated or enclosed spaces. Children exposed to the same levels of vinyl chloride as adults may receive a larger dose because they have greater lung surface area, body weight ratios, and increased minute volumes, weight ratios. In addition, they may be exposed to higher levels than adults in the same location because of their short stature, and the higher levels of vinyl chloride found nearer to the ground. Direct skin contact with escaping compressed gas or liquid vinyl chloride can cause frostbite injury, but systemic absorption is negligible. Direct ocular exposure to vinyl chloride vapor can cause localized burns or irritation of the conjunctiva and cornea. Uh, This is just, this is just, I mean, 
If I was a reporter for one of those TV stations in Youngstown, Ohio, or Pittsburgh, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going. You can fire me if you want. I'm not going. This is nuts. Pre-hospital management. Victims exposed only to vinyl chloride gas pose no risk of secondary contamination to rescuers. Victims whose skin or clothing is contaminated with liquid vinyl chloride can contaminate rescuers by direct contact or through off-gassing of vapor. The primary target of vinyl chloride acute exposure is, once again, the central nervous system. Signs and symptoms include dizziness, ataxia, inebriation, fatigue, numbness, and tingling of the extremities, visual disturbances, coma, and death. I just Oh, by the way, there's no antidote. There's no antidote. Treatment consists of support of respiratory and cardiovascular functions. There's no antidote. Did I mention there's no antidote? But I have seen on the letterhead of the village of East Palestine, Ohio, from the day this happened, that everything's fine. Everything is just fine. Okay, Kanakoa next has a video clip from KDKA, Pittsburgh, Channel 2, CBS, showing sparks of or flames 20 miles before the train derailment in East Palestine. Huh? So maybe they should have done something before the derailment. Maybe. Check it out. Tonight, pretty stunning video raising a lot of questions, especially for people in East Palestine, Ohio. As you can see, sparks and flames underneath this Norfolk Southern train. And this was 20 miles before it derailed. The derailment, as we all now know, sent dangerous chemicals into the air and forced thousands of people from their homes for days. Now the question is, when did the crew know that there was a problem? This video obtained by our news partners at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette was taken by a security camera at an equipment manufacturing plant in Salem, Ohio, some 20 miles from East Palestine. You can see what appear to be sparks or flames under one of the cars as it passes the plant. The NTSB referenced the video at a news conference earlier this week. We uh, have attained two videos which show preliminary indications of mechanical issues on one of the rail car axles. That second video came from a processing plant a mile down the track also in Salem. In front of that plant is a hot box detector which scans the temperature of the axles as the train passes and sounds an alert if they're overheated. The crew did receive an alarm from a wayside defect detector shortly before the derailment indicating a mechanical issue. Then an emergency brake application initiated. The NTSB says there was an alert, but it is not known if it came from the hot box detector in Salem or the next one down the track 20 miles away in East Palestine, where that derailment happened. And if the alert wasn't triggered when the train passed Salem, why not? I spoke today with a retired Norfolk Southern engineer, Scott Wilcox, who lives in Avonmore. How would that person know there was an issue? Generally speaking, after the length of the train has passed over the detector, it will tell you there are no problems found. The NTSB has obtained the train's data recorder and audio recordings. Those are being analyzed at an NTSB lab in Washington, D.C. 
Now, the agency is also checking whether all the detectors were working properly. If the detector in Salem was working and there was no issue, Wilcox says generally it will send a message saying no problem found. The NTSB is expected to release its preliminary findings within 30 days. So, I mean, I no pun intended, but was somebody asleep at the switch? I mean, what in the world? But we continue. And a big shout-out to Kanakoa over at Substack. Norfolk Southern Corporation, with total assets worth $38 billion in 2020, operates the railway that caused the toxic chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. So, last Monday, Norfolk Southern made a $25,000 donation to assist evacuating residents. Now, that seems to me to be a little short. I'm going for a Nobel Prize for understatement here. 25000 huh? to help evacuate 5,000 residents of this town. That might not be quite enough. Norfolk Southern Corporation manages 19,420 route miles in 22 eastern states and the District of Columbia and has rights in Canada over the Canadian Pacific Railway's Albany to Montreal route. Around 6% of its deliveries are chemicals. Well, the more, the more you know. You learn something new every day. A Facebook update on February 12th from a Darlington, Pennsylvania kennel owner says after 20 minutes outside, they had horrible headaches, runny noses, burning and swollen eyes, pulsations within the eye sockets, itchy throat, and coughing. After evacuating 30 dogs and 9 horses, the owners are staying evacuated until independent testing of our air, soil, and well water are tested and deemed safe. Oh, my goodness. But wait, there's more. The EPA's liability letter sent to Norfolk Southern Railway Company on February 10th says cars containing vinyl chloride, butyl acrylate, ethylhexyl acrylate, and ethylene glycol monobutyl ether are known to have been and continue to be released to the air, surface, surface soils, and surface waters. EPA has determined Norfolk Southern Railway Company may be responsible under CERCLA, C-E-R-C-L-A, for cleanup. Now, CERCLA is the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act. You know, I think that the EPA might be onto something here. I really think they might have figured out something here. 
Yeah, Norfolk Southern may be responsible for cleanup. And it's signed by Jason Elzine, manager, emergency response branch one. And it is sent to uh, Norfolk Southern Railway Company in care of Matt Jernand, deputy general counsel. Yeah. You know, there really might be something to that. I think maybe Norfolk Southern may be responsible for cleanup. Now, the EPA released a manifest on Sunday night, February 12th, from Norfolk Southern summarizing more chemicals that were released in East Palestine, Ohio. So we got more audio at this point from, uh, once again, the great Nick Dromboski. And it goes something like this. Some things that we didn't know, there were three train cars of diethylene glycol. One of the cars completely spilled and two of them were leaking. This chemical is flammable, it's toxic, it's used in the manufacturing of plastics, Uh, it's also used in some brake fluids. Based on the tank car class, that's these things here, there is at least 16,000 gallons that were lost. No definitive indication whether if it was burned or if it was just spilled. There's one car of polypropylene glycol that was breached. This is also a chemical that's used in the manufacturing of plastics. It is considered to have low toxicity to humans. However, 16,000 gallons of it pouring into ground isn't great. There's one tank car of propylene glycol, not to be confused with polypropylene glycol. Propylene glycol, or PG as people who vape would know. It's low toxicity, it's used in some food products, it's used in vape liquids. But again, 16,000 gallons of it pouring into the ground, not good. The butyl acrylate that they did mention earlier, there was one tank car, it was breached and then caught on fire. It's very flammable, so I assume that it that has all been burned away. Talk about cars that we know burn. So we have two hopper cars of PE, that's polyethylene plastic. These are going to be hopper cars of uh, little plastic pellets um, used in a ton of different stuff, like all over your house, plastic bottles, toys. Four hopper cars of what is labeled as polyvinyl. Hopper cars, so I'm assuming that this is PVC, polyvinyl chloride pellets. On the railroad, there's one burned, there's one burning, and two that had some amount burned. Toxic byproducts to the PVC burning, like the vinyl chloride burning itself. One car of balls burned, one car of sheet steel burned, one car of frozen veg, and then one car of powdered flakes. Not sure what the flakes are. List an unknown status for the ethylene glycol monobutyl and the ethyl hexoacrylate. Isobutylene was not breached. Now, this is the big thing. There were two cars of petroleum oil completely gone, and three that lost some amount. These kinds of tank cars can hold anywhere from 16 to 30,000 gallons. What we're really talking about here is an oil spill. One gallon of petroleum oil spill can pollute up to a million gallons of groundwater. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, next. Next, Kanakoa links to an article from the Cincinnati Inquirer, which says Norfolk Southern Railroad pulled 180,000 gallons of oil and water from the East Palestine train derailment site. The company issued a remediation plan to the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency on Monday detailing its recovery efforts. Sampled surface water and water from storm sewers. Completed over 300 in-home air tests with the EPA. Sampled the village's drinking water system and private wells. From here, 
The company plans to install an undetermined number of wells to test groundwater and treat it if necessary. Officials will also sample soil in key areas. But wait, there's more. There is more from MSNBC. The Chris Hayes show, but this doesn't look like Chris Hayes. I think it might be Mehdi Hassan. Um, hazmat specialist is concerned. Oh, this is Sil Kagiano. We had him earlier on a local TV station report out of the area. Hazmat specialist is concerned authorities are not testing for phosgene, hydrogen chloride, and dioxins in East Palestine, Ohio. So wait some truth might have actually gotten out on MSNBC. Well, will wonders never cease? Let's check it out. Authorities say it's safe for residents there to return to their homes. What are your concerns? Well, my concerns are for chemicals that I have not been able to find that they have been looking for. Um, they've been looking for volatile organic chemicals, which encompass a large, you know, broad spectrum of chemicals. And the devices that they're looking for them with are called, you know, photoionization devices. However, stuff like phosgene takes a special photoionization uh, device lamp, or it takes a special meter. Um, we're also not talking about dioxins. Uh, we're not talking about some of the other byproducts that were put into the cloud. And my concern was, you know, very quickly, relatively quickly after this stuff all burned off, they started bringing people back home. And they kind of put out a notice that said, if you feel like you want to have your house checked, call this number and, and Norfolk Southern will send send someone there to check your home out. Well, number one, Norfolk Southern checking your house out is like the fox guard in the hen house. Uh, you don't want the company that, that uh, did this to you know tell you your house is all right. Uh, you should be able to have somebody else like the U.S. EPA, somebody that the U.S. EPA gets. The other part is, what are they checking for? They only give lists of what they have found. They're not telling you what they're checking for. And I'm concerned because, again, you have some dioxins that could be out there from uh, from the burning of the vinyl chlorides. Uh, hopefully by now the phosgenes and the hydrogen uh, chlorides that were created yeah. by burning off the vinyl chlorides are gone. But there's some so, things that I, you know, I'm concerned of. You mentioned the EPA. Kurt Collar, who's a specialist for the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency Emergency Response Unit, told the Washington Post that residents can continue to drink the water. Uh, they say it's safe. It's not affected by the incident. I have no reason not to believe the EPA. They're the experts. But I also have covered the 9-11 first responders and what they went through over the last 20 years when they told it were told it was safe uh, to go to that site and some of the cancers and uh, horrible effects of that decision. Um, a lot of this stuff is long-term, right? A lot of this stuff, we won't know the fallout for a long time to come. No, and I, I believe I mentioned that in the article that you looked at. We're going to be looking at this 5, 10, 15 years, 20 years down line. Um, I believe what Kurt Kohler said about that, he's a fairly heads-up guy from the OEPA. Um, they are doing testing of the, way, of the water treatment plant only because they can test it before uh, it goes to the people. They can test for a lot of this stuff. Again, I don't know what all they're testing for beyond volatile organic chemicals. However, what I do worry about are the, the uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in the surrounding communities that depend on well water. Um, the uh, US EPA just announced today that uh, East Palestine is going to be considered a Superfund fight, a site for them to start doing cleanup 
and holding Norfolk Southern, you know, uh, uh, liable for. So yeah. they're admitting okay. that, yeah, they've, they've got a problem. And if it's in the ground, uh, it could be getting into the well water. You don't know. You don't know what the health effects long-term are going to be from people that may have inhaled this stuff before they evacuated. You don't know. First responders, no. they were there. You don't know. You're not going to know for a long period of time. And it's like you said in 9-11, uh, the, the big joke is how many people died in 9-11, and, you know, they, they give you the number, and the, the correct answer is they're still dying from that. So how long down the line is this going to be? How far are we going to be looking? People are going to have, uh, you know, deaths or, are, or cancers or something. They are good questions, important questions that you're posing, and I hope people in the federal government, I hope the Transportation Secretary and others are listening. Sil, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Wow. Usually MSNBC is the voice of the establishment, so that was kind of a shock that that came out like that. Okay, next, in the thread from Kanakoa. Taylor Holzer, a fox keeper in East Palestine, Ohio, says several foxes he keeps on his property became mortally ill. He said Norfolk Southern Corporation can't get away with what they have done. Kieran is dead. The rest of my foxes are suffering. I think that's the guy we heard from earlier. A resident scoops up dead fish and frogs four miles south of the train derailment and toxic chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. This is a resident named Logan Rance who posts this stuff on Facebook. It says, I'm visiting home, and tonight I made a quick trip to Leslie Run, four miles south of the East Palestine derailment. In a single dip of my net, I collected nearly two dozen dead or near-dead aquatic animals. Next. This is, uh, this is kind of rough. This is from a news operation called Status Coup News. Coup being C-O-U-P. Mother talk about her nine-year-old asthmatic son's reaction to toxic chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. This is kind of rough. I'm just warning you. What were you seeing uh, right after you said that you entered his room and he was shaking? He was projectile vomiting across the floor out of nowhere. Um, he he was very confused. I mean, uh, like he did wake up out of the middle of his sleep, um, but he, he was shaking. He was begging for water. He said he couldn't breathe. Um, yeah, it was scary. We there's there's literally there's vomit on his floor right now because we ran out of there so fast that I didn't know if he was going to stop breathing. I didn't know what was going to happen. He had been hospitalized for asthma before, went from zero to sixty. Um, so I I didn't know what was going to happen at that time. We ran out of there as fast as we possibly could after that. And like I said, he he did get sick once about an hour later at the hotel. Um, he broke up with some rashes on his skin, but they have since went away. But we have not been back. We have not been even close to the area. He's been okay lately other than emotionally and mentally, but I'm, I'm terrified to, to go back. I mean, not only for myself, but for definitely for him. And can you, uh, can you talk about how old is your son? And obviously it must be extremely uh, concerning when you saw him shaking in the middle of the night and vomiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's, it's so personal. It's very personal. It's, it's very scary. Um, he, yeah, he's nine years old. He's in the third grade. Um, we actually, we were, we were painting his Minecraft Valentine's Day box for school, um, before I sent him to bed, um, on the night that it happened. 
and still laying in the middle of our living room, half painted. Today's his party. He doesn't, you know, doesn't get to be a part of that. He's he's having a hard time. He's an only child. He's really kind of being withdrawn. He's scared. Um, he's worried to go back. I've been trying to not really talk about it around him or, or be on my phone when, I, when I'm around him just so he has some sense of normalcy. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely concerned for these kids. I mean, they went through COVID, and now now they have this. The school was shut down for a week. Uh, some of his friends are getting sick. It's scary. Um, I'm really worried. Understandably. It's not just scary. It's not, it's not just scary, but it's um, it's heartbreaking. More from Kanakoa's long thread. Woman named uh, Caitlin Schwartzwalder told Glenn Beck, great radio talk show host Glenn Beck, four of her dogs were projectile vomiting. Her eyes and throat got itchy and burned when she visits her home and she plans to abandon East Palestine, Ohio forever because of her long-term health concerns. Here's the quote from her interview with Glenn Beck. I had four dogs needing emergency veterinarian services because they were projectile vomiting and very lethargic. Going back, going back is extremely uncomfortable. Their physical symptoms every time from itchy burning, watery eyes, itchy burning throat, coughing, and a weird sensation like your eyes pulsating like a heartbeat. The media is not appropriately displaying that people aren't returning. Some people who didn't have the financial means to stay away any longer came back, but anybody who had an option did not go back. The vinyl chloride is like water and travels through the ground and soil like water. It takes time for this stuff to travel through the ground. These levels could be astronomic in four, five, or six months from now. Wow. So then... Then, the afternoon of Wednesday, February 15th, breaking news, East Palestine toxicology test relies on a controversial consulting firm accused of serving corporate interests rather than public health, the Norfolk Southern contractor has already persuaded 340 residents to sign away their legal rights. Really? Well, let's check that out. The Center for Toxicology and Environmental Health, a private contractor, hired by Norfolk Southern to test water, soil, and air quality in East Palestine, Ohio, according to critics now, has a history of minimizing the effects of environmental disasters to satisfy its corporate employers. While the Arkansas-based firm provides consulting services to various industries, it is known for performing toxicology monitoring for the oil and gas industry, following health and safety incidents. After a million gallons of oil spilled on a Louisiana town in 2005, after a flood of toxic coal ash smothered central Tennessee in 2008, and after defective Chinese drywall began plaguing 
Florida homeowners, the Center for Toxicology and Environmental Health, CTEH, was on the scene saying everything was fine. In each of these cases, the toxicology firm was alleged, alleged to be supplying the data its employers wanted while falsely assuring the public they were safe from harm. Well, how about that? You might want to go to kanekoa.substack.com. It's spelled K-A-N-E-K-O-A. They've got a screenshot there from a, a Glenn Beck tweet, also from Wednesday afternoon, February 15th. It says, this is the contract. Wow. I mean, this is um, it's pretty amazing. Um. Yeah, you just might want to, you might want to check that out, you know, in case you're curious. I mean, I have a lot of listeners in Arkansas. They're based in Arkansas. Most of my listeners are outside Arkansas, but, you know, just in case you're curious. Yeah, CTEH, as Kanakoa's thread continues on Twitter, CTEH, private contractor hired by Norfolk Southern to test water, soil, and air quality in East Palestine, Ohio, has a history of minimizing the effects of environmental disasters to satisfy its corporate employers. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it gets pretty deep. Their work for BP in the wake of the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in 2010, for example, drew accusations of the fox guarding the chicken coop from the New York Times. And so, here's a long quote from the Times. As BP continues to claim that the leaking oil has caused no significant exposures despite the hospitalization of several workers and the sparse release of test, test data, these observers of CTEH's work say the firm has a vested interest in finding a clean bill of health to satisfy its corporate employer. Nicholas Cheremisinov, a former Exxon chemical engineer who now consults on pollution prevention, says it's essentially the fox guarding the chicken coop. There is a huge incentive for them to underreport the size of the spill. Cheremisinov added, and the same thing applies on the health and safety side. New York Times said another toxicologist familiar with CTEH who requested anonymity to avoid retribution from the firm described its chemical studies as designed to meet the goals of its clients. He said they're paid to say everything's okay. Matt Landon, staff member of the anti-mountaintop removal mining group United Mountain Defense, encountered CTEH in the wake of the 2008 breach in a coal ash dam run by the Tennessee Valley Authority. Landon said his group began its own air monitoring after finding CTEH employees installing low-volume monitors. 
that community advocates believed were not strong enough to measure air quality in compliance with EPA standards. Landon recalled people were getting sick, eyes swelling up, rashes, earaches, wedding bands tarnishing. They said it was taking them time to get high-volume monitors out there. Oh, I see. In 2010, congressional Democrats pressured BP to fire the toxicology testing company used by Norfolk Southern and the EPA in East Palestine, Ohio. The lawmakers claimed the company had a long pattern of tainted results, prioritizing corporate interests over public health. Now, I know it's difficult for a lot of us to believe congressional Democrats but who knows? Even a blind squirrel can find an acorn eventually. I'm, you know, I'm just, we report you decide. Trying to call balls and strikes here. Kanakoa, the great, continues. In 2005, a train operated by Norfolk Southern derailed in Graniteville, South Carolina, releasing chlorine and forcing 5,400 residents to evacuate their homes. Some residents signed settlement agreements with the company, which waived their entitlement to any future compensation. Again, Caitlin Schwartzwelder told Glenn Beck, the lab responsible for testing in the aftermath of the Norfolk Southern train crash is not truly independent as it works for the railway company. Additionally, over 340 residents of East Palestine, Ohio, have reportedly signed liability contracts with the, the lab. Furthermore, the EPA has refused to conduct testing of affected homes. Well, I thought the EPA was supposed to do that kind of stuff, aren't they? She told Glenn Beck, we had a gentleman from CTEH, which is the so-called independent laboratory. We had spoken to him very informally, and he said, we follow around the railroad when they make mistakes, and they're happy to have us here. She said when CTH came to our facility to test our air, they had not offered water services at that point in time. They handed me a contract that essentially said that I needed to hold Norfolk, their affiliates, including CTH, harmless of any future liabilities. I didn't sign it, but unfortunately 340 other residents did sign it. That's where my heart just breaks for these people because we don't know the long-term repercussions of what these chemicals can do to our air, environment, and businesses. They've signed their rights away in the hopes that they are getting help and the right answers from these organizations. We asked if the EPA can come into our kennel and test themselves because they're a government organization that has the ability and they have the testing equipment with them, and the answer was absolutely not. You know, i got to tell you, um, and she owns the uh, Von Schwartz Doberman Kennel, in that area, Caitlin Schwartzwalder. I got to tell you, you can say what you want about Glenn Beck, but he gets a lot of good things done. And God bless him for interviewing this lady. It just, it just hurts your heart. Then Jesse Waters, Fox News, from Wednesday night the 15th, said, Ohio town is abandoned. Here's the quote. I've been sick with upper congestion. This morning I woke up with my eyes swollen. My kids keep breaking out in rashes. I have experienced headache, headaches and coughing. 
sore throat and headaches. Aren't these the same people who told us Flint, Michigan's water was good to drink? Remember, the EPA also lied to New Yorkers about 9-11. They said the air around Ground Zero was safe and told them to go outside, and 10 years later, thousands of people wound up with cancer. The EPA is setting East Palestine up to be another stat, and the people there see through it. It's like it doesn't even matter that a small Rust Belt town got a chemical nuke dropped on them by a railroad company. And they're interviewing people, saying if it's safe, why are people getting sick? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if anybody else is giving you all these details, but I felt like it was my responsibility. Now, I told you earlier, I told you earlier about a doctor, a very famous TV doctor who has profusely apologized for minimizing the effects of the COVID vaccine, the clot shot. And he did it on his show in the presence of Dr. Naomi Wolf. Here is Dr. Drew. And um, I I want to start with um, a very sincere apology. I want to, as, as, as effusively as I can, fall on my sword. And I want to explain why and what and, and frame it. So sit back and enjoy this if you like this kind of thing. So... <laughs> We now know that uh, we have a Pfizer, a very significant Pfizer executive on the record saying that they knew about these menstrual irregularities being a very serious concern. I have now seen uh, pathological specimens that show excess spike protein in the ovaries, in the adrenal gland. Uh, we, the, these, uh, the executive in the Project Veritas case pointed out that he thought maybe it had something to do with the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is a very common sort of, it's a very delicate cycling system, a neuroendocrine system that women have that can get easily set off. But we now know some of the possible mechanisms, not just the ovaries, uh, but also there could be, we've seen excess spike protein now in the myelin and actually in the neuronal cell wall. So it could actually be direct neuronal effects. And we also know that spike protein is affecting plasminogen activator inhibitor by inhibiting that inhibitor and causing problems with bleeding and clotting. And we, of course, also know now that this spike protein is very much a part of what we call an endotheliitis or a lining of the artery problem that could easily be manifest in the uterine wall and the uterine lining. So there's at least five mechanisms I could think of that could be causing this that are of serious concern. And I am getting emotional when I, when I want to say this. When Naomi brought this up, I was the kindest thing I can say is I was dismissive. I was quietly dismissive of what she was bringing up because I had seen menstrual irregularities caused by everything in my career. And I thought, oh, it's just another thing. It's just another thing. I was wrong. I apologize. I got it. I, I don't know whether we're going to find out exactly what's going on, but I, I was I was as wrong as I could be. And the one thing that this pandemic has taught me 
Well, one of the many things. I've learned a lot of things that I didn't want to know, but the one thing that I did want to know is hubris and certainty is the enemy. It, it, you can't be certain about a lot. And don't don't discount anything until we know for sure what the data is. We are at the stage now where there's sort of general agreement that something significant is going on. There's multiple candidate mechanisms and by the way, COVID could be a culprit in this as well, right? I mean, we don't know because they haven't asked the questions. They, they have to really, it, it's looking like, uh, based on Dr. Cole's work, who had all the pathology specimens, it really looks like the vaccine spike because they're not finding the nucleocapsid protein in with the spike protein in all these deposits and the ovaries and the adrenal glands, things like that. So it looks like something that is only delivering a spike, which is, of course, the vaccine. God bless Dr. Drew for doing and saying the right thing. Man, you know, you get something wrong, you go back and apologize. We've all had to do it, right? That's pretty massive because if you're paying attention, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, there's a documentary you want to see. It's called Died Suddenly. It's on Rumble. I want to check it out. Died suddenly. It's on Rumble. Might have a hard time finding it. Uh, look for the name of the guy on it. Drew Peters, D-R-E-W. Drew Peters, D-R-E-W. Peters died suddenly on Rumble. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to. You sure need to. All right. It's that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Every once in a while, I like to give you a little bit of good news about a politician. The Attorney General of the state of Texas, Ken Paxton, announces in a stunning violation of the United States Constitution, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill without a quorum present. He says, I am suing the Biden administration to end the implementation of this bill because it was never lawfully enacted and it is unconstitutional. God bless Ken Paxton for standing up and doing the right thing. And God bless our friend Mitch Ward and the folks at Red River Auto for sponsoring today's Tweet of the Day. You've been listening to episode 344 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th Floor, the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability 
for the Doc Washburn Show. Now, that's the way it is. Thursday, February 16th, 2023.